When his back's against the ropes, Carl Denny says that's when he's at his strongest. And he's had a lot to deal with in the last 12 months, as he has worked to keep delivering as much of his programme as he can amid ever-changing government rules about what is and is not possible within the fitness and martial arts world. So maybe his attitude of taking strength from adversity is why, at a time when other people are hunkering down and consolidating what they've got, Hastings Kickboxing Academy's head coach is doing the opposite, and he's moving HKA from its base in Ivy House Lane to a new mega-gym, more than twice the size of the old one, in the Castleham Industrial Estate. It'll be another couple of weeks at least before he can fully reveal what he's been working on for the last few months. But just before Christmas, I met up with Carl to find out more about his plans for the new place. There'll be plenty of kickboxing and martial arts, of course, but he will now have the space to grow the community initiatives that are so close to his heart and that are so fundamental to the ethos of the club that he wants HKA to be. The latest COVID restrictions may have altered his timescales for opening, but for Carl, that's just another hurdle to jump. I'm Stuart Bailey, and this is Hastings in Focus. Anybody who subscribes to your Facebook channels can't have missed what's going on at the moment. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> um, bigger, better. Beginning of the year, you're going to be in a completely new gym. Yeah. How does it feel? What's what's happening? What's... <laughs> it's quite surreal at the moment. Um, I've had two, two people come up today to help do a bit of painting and some cleaning and tidying while I'm up there. And they've walked in and they've gone, oh my God. And because it... I've been up there every day for two months, cleaning, tidying, ripping out walls. I mean, it's been a building site for two months. I suppose I've got used to it, and it doesn't feel particularly big because there's so much mess. And then today we started tidying up, but other people, when they come in, they're like, wow, this is insane. And I was like, mm, yeah. And I because I haven't stepped back and looked at it yet. I've just gone full steam ahead. I've gone in there with a hammer and sander and you know just started cutting things out so yeah i think maybe by the end of next week when it's nearly finished and i sit back it will be a bit like oh wow this is something quite special yeah, I mean, you gave me the guided tour the other day and you know i was quite blown away by it but then i remember the days of the hive so it's, <laughs> it's, it's quite it's quite a significant change from that yeah from a I mean, it, it was a big shed in the garden. Yep. I mean, it was bigger than most houses in the shed. But yeah, to come from, you know, back then in them days, from the hive going all the way into uh, where we are now is, has been quite a transformation. But this new gym, which we should say is Castleham Industrial Estate. Yep. Um, you're going to be doing a lot more than just training. I mean, there's, I've really been quite interested in this community hub concept that you've been working out. I mean, tell us a bit about that. And also, where did the inspiration of where did the the idea for that come from well i mean many many years ago from my own school days i really struggled at school and we call it a gym is it a gym is it an academy is it an education center is it a community hub it could be labeled 15 different things i guess um, i mean it's easy to say let's go to the gym but it has developed into so much more than the gym We've always helped children and parents on a one-to-one basis, on a group basis. We deal with a lot of children that have been bullied. We deal with a lot of self-esteem issues. And and we could go on and on about the issues that families and children have. And as we've grown, we've obviously become well-known for doing such a, a good job with our students. And 
I really struggled at school, so I've always wanted to be able to give back to the community a place where they can learn, feel safe, they can grow their confidence without feeling like they're a failure or because they, they're no good at maths or English or, you know, the, you know, the school, inverted commas, you know, you have to have maths, science and English to, to get anywhere. Whereas, you have to be academic. Yeah, to be academic. And obviously you come to a kickboxing gym, you wouldn't necessarily think of school or education, but we've got a massive part of education within our system. And the growth with the building and the business is we can now offer even more educational to what we do. And what we're finding is obviously with COVID this year as well, schools have been shut for half the year. So, so many children, so many families and parents have really struggled. I mean, I can't teach my children how English and science is. So I have to rely on the school system and the school system's fallen over. So just to give the the children a place that they feel safe and comfortable, normal, um, but we can also help them with some parts of their education as well. Uh, but a lot of it is confidence. I mean, just going back in that, so I mean, you kept the HK, HKA community very much together through the year. You you went online, you did your, your Zoom classes, and it was interesting watching those with your, all the kids who were there, all training away, all still together virtually, but you kept yeah. that community alive. And that's something a lot of gyms tried but weren't particularly successful achieving yeah and I guess it depends on who's doing it um I was quite lucky obviously Jenny was with me full time so although we were online we had me and Jenny so we we actually become a bit of a double act and everyone kind of took the mickey out of it but it did actually work and I think that might have been one of the successes in respects to we did keep it we tried to keep it as fun as possible as uplifting as possible um and we just tried to give as much as we could. We didn't realise how tired we were getting, because um, obviously you have to, you have to do the class. But when you're in front of a camera and you're in a room with just two of you, there's no energy in the room. So you almost have to like 10x your energy. So you, you know, you're in front of the camera and you're going, "Hey guys, how are you? Like, I hope you've had a good day." And they were like, "Oh, it's been rubbish. We've been locked in and haven't gone out and haven't seen anyone." So we had to almost pick us up and the room but then also them at home mm. um, which was really fun but when we come out of the first lockdown we realised how tired we really were yeah sustaining that over a chunk of time is not yeah. easy every day we put two hours aside to ring members ring ring families how are you getting on is there anything we can do to help um, you know do you want us to talk to your children give them some advice is there anything we can help with so we wasn't just on camera doing the zoom classes we were every day actively trying to help our members as much as possible so in the course of this year when did when did the opportunity arise for the new gym did it fall in your lap have you been working towards it yeah how, how did it come about well where we are where we are at currently at brookway has always been a stepping stone so we we have moved gyms quite a few times and every time we've moved it's been out of my control and when we moved into Brookway, it was a stepping stone to move somewhere else. That was seven years ago, so it was a long stepping stone. Uh, and it was quite small. We moved in, and then a year later, the landlord said, well, next door's available. Do you want us to knock the wall through, and you can have next door? And I was like, well, that would really help. So that happened. A year later, next door moved, maybe because they didn't like all our music every night. But <laughs> they, they moved out, and it was a big step. It doubled our gym size. Um, and, but we took the risk, and, and we went through, and, and then we grew again. And 
I've always looked to move, but with planning applications, we've tried two or three times, failed every time um, for many different reasons. Which is costly in itself. Yes. Um, and every time you get that knockback, you always, it's that another, oh, why do I bother? Mm. I've just spent another thousand pounds, three months of paperwork, you know, three months of getting excited about mm. a new building and then it get, we get told that we can't have it. So we did kind of settle over the next three, four years and we were just like, well, this is cool. This is a great gym. It's still, in my head, probably one of the best in the southeast anyway. Mm. Um, you know, we've worked hard to get to where we've got to. Uh, so we just kind of settled. And then over the last probably two years, I've been getting itchy feet a little bit. And again, we've become so busy. We've not had arguments, but we've had disagreements in the car park with the people next door to us because... Obviously, they're struggling to get their clients to their front door because we've got 75 cars in the car park. So it just become a little bit uncomfortable. So I then started to look again. We did apply for one building, but we got turned down on the planning application at the beginning of the year, which in hindsight has done us a huge favour because if we'd got it, then we wouldn't be where we're going to now. Um, So I was a bit gutted when we didn't get that and just thought, okay, cool, we'll stay where we are. Um, Then, because I've got two landlords, uh, my other landlord pretty much doubled my rent overnight Mm -hmm. um, because we use his space and he's getting busier. So I I think it was a case of double my rent or force me out, if I'm I'm honest. Um, So we we agreed to the rent increase, but that did then kind of go, right, it really is time for me to... Dispose you on a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it gave me that rocket that I needed. So I started looking more... It's a bit of a long-winded story, but my other landlord... Um, wanted to show me a few different venues. Uh, we we spent a couple of days looking. We looked at a few other venues as well. And then we, we actually settled on where we are now. Uh, and then luckily in September, the planning laws were changed because of COVID and bits and pieces. Um, and we were pretty much set to go. So I sort of sat at home for a week thinking, should I, shouldn't I? It's a big step. It's double the space. It's across the other side of town. You know, are the members going to like the move, not like the move? Um, you know, every question you can ever think of come come flowing in. And then I just sort of said to myself, I've got to do it. And when you're doing something like that, you've got the combination of all of those questions and all of those doubts and all of those should I, shouldn't I. Meanwhile, there's also that great high of looking at a facility like that and realising all that you can do with it. Mm. I've had, honestly, I've had 100 highs and 100 lows mm. over the last two weeks. You know, I have massive highs and massive lows at the moment. I mean, I was up there at half is six. It, as is well. anybody going to turn up when I open the door? <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's a it's a scary step because in my head I know it's going to work, and you know, it is working currently. And then a few people have got, well, why are you moving? You're smashing it. Like you're doing so well where you are. Why rock the boat? And I'm like, because in my head I know I can grow, and I'm confident that we can not only make it work, but we can expand again, which we have done. We haven't even opened the doors yet. And then the venue we've got, we, we took on half of the building upstairs and the landlord said, would I like next door? And I was like, oh, I don't know if I, I lo- I'd love it, but can I afford it? Is it worth the risk? It's doubling the space again. But yet we decided to take it. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm sitting there going, oh, I hope this works. But there's lots of stuff that you're going to be doing that you haven't done before. I mean, you've you've got the cafe area, you've got the individual rooms for personal training sessions, which you haven't had before, so that's had to kind of fit in around classes. Yeah. The space in the main gym is just huge. Yeah. The, 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 the ring sort of hides in a corner, whereas it used to dominate 
dominate yeah 25% of the space so one of the great things about this building there are many great things um, is the layout of the space is better so like you said the ring will sit kind of in a corner now rather than in the middle of the gym Uh, and then there's only one pillar in the way but then that's over to one side which gives us a better matted space but we then got a separate shoe and coat area and I know that sounds really silly but in martial arts it's it's kind of important yeah and when you've got you know 40 kids coming mm-hmm. out and 30 kids coming in, yep. that's a lot of people to put their shoes and coats mm-hmm. on. So we've now got a completely separate area, which is great. We've, <laughs> for the first year, first time in seven years, we've got a changing room. Uh, you know, In all fairness, most of the boys will just come in and strip off and yep. change. Um, but you know, we have a few kind of accountants and solicitors that come in, you know, in their suits and dresses mm-hmm. and stuff. So they've now got their own changing room. We've got our own toilets, which are brand new, which is amazing. We've got our own PT room, which is solely for PTs, which we've never had. So we can now run PTs through the evening, which has obviously always been a big problem because we've been so busy in class, there hasn't been room for a PT, which is fantastic. We've got a separate in and out. We've got a one-way system. We've got, we're sticking in a takeaway bar. I've just brought a a jacket potato oven, um, which as as you know, turned up and it was a little bit bigger than I thought. (laughs) So we might have to relocate where I thought I was going to put that. But the idea is we're going to do like healthy jacket potatoes and sweet potatoes and takeaway bar, um, which will hopefully fit in and allow us to go full time. I mean, even last night we finished training at nine o'clock, got home and me and the wife had a jacket potato, but it was 10 o'clock at nine. But that potato bar, the, the jacket potato idea, the food idea, that's kind of that's going to extend not just for your members, that's kind of for... The community surrounding the place, so you know people walk, working at a factory or an office nearby can come in and pick up the yeah a hundred percent. So the idea so is so that's that, different. That's, that's yeah. something new. Yeah, another scary step. Yeah. So that means another member of staff full time. Um, but the idea is exactly like you said. We can supply Castleham Industrial Estate or Hastings mm-hmm. once we get to that point. The idea is you'll be able to come in late morning, lunchtime, early afternoon, pick up a jacket potato, and we're going to do you know the typical cheese and beans but mm-hmm. we also want to be able to do like pulled pork and um chini con carne and all that kind of stuff as well as we're also thinking about doing like an after school like meal deal for children like mm-hmm. a like a mini jacket potato cheese and beans salad um fruit bottle of water uh, as a place that, rather than going to mcdonald's mm-hmm. so really exciting uh, we haven't even opened our doors yet and now i've got all these other ideas that are coming along. You having ideas, that's... This is unheard of. Yeah, well, one seventeen this morning. You're an ideas machine. Yeah, that was this morning's thought. Uh, I, I remember I woke up and I was like, oh, what's the time? Rolled over, one seventeen, And that was it. Then, yeah. And w- within sort of the kickboxing, the, the martial arts thing, you've got Luke Reed coming across to... I think he's doing some early morning sessions, you were saying, but bringing that K1 and... Motai, yeah, Motai, yeah, Muay Thai. That's a, that's another dimension. That's something you've again never done before, and is a progression. Yeah, I mean, for for us, it's a great step in respects to. I've had so many people say to me, like, you should do K one or Thai. I can do K one and Thai, and I, you know, I've I've trained and practiced it over my many years of martial arts, but. 99% of my life has been kickboxing. So although I can do it, I would by no means say I'm a master at it. And every time, every say two, three years, people go, oh, should we do some K1? So we do some K1, but again, 95% of our clients don't enjoy it because getting kicked in the leg and kneed in the stomach hurts. So, you know, the elite fight team love it, but the rest of our members are like, it's a bit too aggressive for mm-hmm. me. So 
rather than scare them, the opportunity come along. Luke Reed approached me. He heard that we were moving, uh, and he come to me and he said, "Like, would it be right if I joined the team?" And I said, "Yeah, that's absolutely fine." And I said, "If I'm honest, rather than..." coming under the HKA bracket, obviously you'll be in HKA and training with us, but I want you to build your own team. Mm. I want you to be their teacher, their instructor, their then sensei. And I want them to look to you directly as their coach, their you know the person that's gonna put them into bouts and make them fight. Because we won't put anyone in till they're ready or over ready, mm. rather than letting them come in the gym for three months and then chuck them in for a fight. That's mm. not how we operate. And I believe previously that's kind of because Luke had someone else matching his fighters mm. to build the team up. That's what they were doing. And I said, oh, I'm not interested in that at all. So uh, Luke is under Lee Whittington's wing, which mm. is um, the Warriors gym up in Whitstable. And I'm quite good friends with Lee as well. And he said he's really happy that Luke's coming over. Um, it's a step that has needed to be made for many years. And... Lee's the same. I won't, he won't put anyone in until they're super ready. But that underpins a huge amount of the philosophy of, of AHK and, and, and your, your coaching, mm. is that if people are going to compete, if people are going to that elite level in the sport, you make sure that, you know, I, I, I remember speaking to one of your um, guys who was saying that, you know, if he's not turning up three times a week, if he's not doing X, Y and Z, then, you know, that's it. Yeah. He's not fighting, so you, you know, you're really strict, and and reflecting that on the on sort of K one in the Muay Thai, that's as I say, that just that just carries on your ethos, that carries on your whole what you believe in, basically what HKA stands for. Yeah, I mean, you know, getting in the ring can be fun and an experience for mm. some people, but for us, it's a little bit more than that. I would rather have five fighters that are ready to compete and do a good job than a hundred fighters that are just jumping in and jumping out for the hell of it. Um, we do have a good team, we have a strong team. We win probably 75% of our bouts. Mm. But even with the 25% losses or draws that we're getting, the losses we're getting are against British, European, if not world champions. Mm. You know, Previous to COVID, the last couple of fights we took, um, I remember Billy, he'd had three bouts and he took on a four times Taekwondo world champion. And we was like, yeah, we'll take that. I, I believe in Billy. He won it as well, yep. which was cracking. Um, a couple that we've lost, what George took on, but George had had, like, say, seven fights, six wins. Mm -hmm. So most people wouldn't fight him around the 10-fight mark. So we ended up fighting a kid called James Kelly, but he'd had, like, 27 fights, 25 wins, 20 by knockout, something like that. And it was a massive step. We lost it, but we was prepared to take that risk. Mm. So, you know, to be the best, you've got to fight the best. Yeah, exactly. So, as you do what, doing what you've been doing already, Luke Reed coming on, given the scope and the size of the place, you know, do you have space, for, you know, if, if somebody else wants to come along and run a club or operate, do you have the space or is that, is that you about at capacity? Um, we do have the space, yes. It's a case of looking at the diary and seeing what fits. So as a rule, we're fully booked between, say, 4 and 8.30, 9pm. Uh, I do know people that run 9pm classes. I do know people that run 6am classes. Mm. So we do have space. But as a rule, Monday to Friday, 4 till 9, we're pretty much fully booked. But we do have day stuff available. We do have weekend stuff available. We have early mornings available. Mm. So I've had a few spin instructors contact me, um... 
I'd love to get yoga and Pilates in. That would be fantastic as a, as a day session. I know one of the girls that have come on board, she's a dance instructor. So we'd love to get some day stuff, dancing going on as well. Good. Yeah, because as I said, the, 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 the space is phenomenal. And, and from your point of view, to be fully booked you know, every evening of the week up until nine o'clock, it, it says something about the numbers that you're getting through the commitment of the people. Um, and you're obviously doing something right to drag those people in. Talking about commitment, the people that listen to this that are said they're coming back in January, stop being so lazy. <laughs> stop being lazy. You've still got another week left. Um, but joking aside, we do have... So, I mean, last night we had... I mean, we were, we, in all fairness, we had it two over. We were actually 34 in the class because a couple hadn't booked that just yeah. turned up, which is another reason needing the, the bigger space. But I'm blown away by our members commitment and ethos to, to training and I mean it's it's cold it's December it was like half a degree the other day and we still had the full team in yeah. you know it's cold it's wet it's miserable and it's the middle of December and you know we are still pretty much at capacity which is like you know I, I even go home and go did that just happen tonight yeah. like, I went out to the car park yesterday and it was like the M25 you yeah. couldn't move it was insane which is great but we're in the middle of December in a, in a half lockdown and yet, you know, we're still doing what we're doing. And but more than just reflecting on that, I mean, looking back over 10, 15 years in terms of where you've come from, you know, there was the, the disappointment in the first castle in place. You were still working for BT full time and doing this in the evening. Um, and now you are where you are. It's full time. You, you, you've got people working for you. Sometimes you must look back at those days, you know, joining wires and a telephone exchange somewhere and kind of pinch, you, pinch yourself as to where you are yeah that is I always remind myself where I've come from mm. I always always look back I mean even last week I was driving to the gym it's pissing down with rain and windy and I was, I was watching a guy I was in traffic and was watching a guy try to set his ladder up to go up a pole and I was like A I'm really glad that's not me anymore but I, I'm, you know I was at BT 17 years mm. and I run HKA alongside of it side by side you know getting up at 5am two hours of paperwork 10 hours at BT four hours at the gym another couple of hours of paperwork mm. three hours sleep four hours sleep and doing it again six days a week um, I've always been a grafter and I don't mind grafting obviously going full time has in a way slowed me down but in other ways has actually made me do more work because obviously now if I don't work I don't earn yeah. if it doesn't work it's on my shoulders so I, I'm very humbled. I'm very happy. I'm, I'm very honoured that we are as busy as we are. But a lot of it is down to the hard work and the good team that I've got around me, allowing me to get to where we get to. But that's taken time. The amount of work you have in life is in direct proportion to the amount of hard work you put in. Someone once told me. Definitely. Um, and it's, it stands true. Mm. And also, people say you're lucky. Like people say to me, "Oh, you're lucky you've got your own gym." And I'm sure they'll say when we move to the new place and open, "Oh, you're really lucky." And it's like, well, no one, you know, Dad didn't go here. Here, son, is fifty grand to go and buy yourself a gym. I didn't win the lottery. None of it was luck in respects to I was just given something. Mm. Um, if anything, my dad gave me a load of debt. Which <laughs> um, <laughs> is that, uh, you know, my dad's always been. You know, my love with my dad is my dad's there to support me. Whatever yep. I need, he he will do his best to help yep. me. But everything we've built has been from the ground up. You know, I've been I've been on my ass living in a caravan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in a tough time, many years like 
when I first split up with Jenny. And I've had to rebuild it. And I've built it from the ground up by myself. And obviously, as it's as it's built momentum, it, it's it's got stronger and stronger. And, and just in the growth of the gym, you know, aside from your personal growth, the growth of the gym has kind of reflected that. Because as we touched on earlier, you, you, you had a place at Castleham, and again, planning issues because that didn't work out. Yeah. And you kind of retrenched, you retrenched, and you didn't just do nothing but you created the hive in the garden yeah um you had some classes at william parker you yeah. then got the ivy house lane at a wide place on, yeah. and you started you built and developed you, you weren't just happy with what you've got you built and developed and you built and developed and all the way along you built and developed mm. I, I still more than the passing of the hive. It was a fantastic little place. Yeah, I, I need to explain the hive for the people that are listening because people are going, you know, What's that? Are going, yeah. So, very long story short, uh, I was married to Jenny. We got divorced two years after depression and, and a bit of a rough time. Uh, me and my dad put our money together and we brought a house together so we could buy a slightly bigger house. So, I had the annex on the side of the main house. A little two up, two down. But on the back was a massive shed. And everyone's going, okay, shed. It was 27 foot by 30 foot over two floors. It was ginormous. <laughs> um, you know, nine by 10 metres. It's very cold as well. Yeah, it? it's very cold, yeah. But it was bigger than most houses as a floor plan. Yeah. And that, I mean, it was a koi carp fish tank when we brought it. Mm. So we had to spend three months putting a new roof on, ripping the bricks out, concrete reinforced walls. So it was hard graft. I spent about 10 grand on that. But because I'd lost my other gym because of planning, like you said, I had to retreat and go somewhere. So we set up a, a small gym in the back garden. When I say small, you could fit 45 people in there quite comfortably. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was madness. But that that's the hive. That become almost like a sweat pit, like a Rocky yeah. Bobauer out in the mountains, but it, it was in my back garden. Um, and then that's where we moved to William Parker. And then, again, our numbers grew and grew. And that was just in a sports hall with mats on the floor. Had no equipment. And we still had the equipment, but we couldn't get it out every time. And then we moved. We actually moved away from there and then come back because William Parker kicked us out. And then a year later said we can come back. Um, and then that's when we moved to uh, Brookway, Ivy House Lane. And we had a, a small, sort of smallish 900 square foot. And then we've grown and grown from there. And every time you get that knock back and... You know, you do have moments where you think, oh, and again, we've got to move. We've got to shut for a week. We've got to spend more money on developing the building. But, you know, I sulk for a couple of days, have a little cry. <laughs> Everyone tells me to put my head out my ass, and then a couple of days later I'm kind of ready and yeah, and then start marching forward and the march turns to a run. and The Carl Denny mindset kicks in and you're off yeah. and running again. Yeah, and I, I, I thought, yeah and I thought, in all fairness, I thought I was done. Um, and now look at us, we've took on, you know, we've gone from 2,700 square foot to 4,200 square foot. And then we've just took on another 2,000 square foot yeah. on top of that. Yeah. And it's, yeah, when you take that, it's very scary. Um, but then that there's that bit of me just says, just do it, just go for it. Well, yeah, you don't achieve your goals by not taking risks and not trying things out. No. Not, not doing stuff. Not too bad. <laughs> It's you know, not too bad for when the teacher used to say to me, you're amount to nothing and, you know, get a real job and what are you ever going to do with your life? Mm. And kind of, yeah. we're now setting up a school. We're actually going to try and go for Ofsted classification once we're open as well. Fantastic. Which would be really cool. All, and that's all great stuff to put, you know, stick in the wall, put in the CV, mm. get out there. Um, 
how much is you, know, you talk quite often about how much kickboxing has meant to you the huge chunk of your life that kickboxing has occupied and obviously the yeah, a sport like boxing kickboxing yeah, a one-on-one combat sport it kind of teaches you a resilience and uh you know if you get knocked down you've got to get back up again because there's not a lot of option but that does seem to translate into your business life as well and and you know, all that you do you can kind of almost just see those those reflections back to the sport that has been so much part of you yeah um i guess anyone that knows me will know that i you know wasn't fantastic at school mainly because i wasn't very academic but martial arts has been you know in my blood since i was nine ten years old I was 40 this year, so you know, a good few years. You don't look it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Martial arts keep me young if anyone's listening. <laughs> I feel it at times, that's for sure. But, yeah, like you said in a fight, and I know you, you've boxed and done judo and martial arts yourself, So, but w- when you're in the ring, there's you and one other person. You don't have a football team around you. You don't have people on the bench. You can't, you know, you can't substitute. Mm. You know, you're there, and it's do or die. It's win or lose. Mm. And, and they say, you know you win or you learn mm. but if if you have the mindset of oh, it doesn't it doesn't matter if i lose then you're going to get hurt mm. so it you have to have the mindset of you're going to win whatever happens you're going to going to win and the hardest thing in in about is if you get knocked down whether it be a body shot or a head shot once you're lying on the canvas and you look up and the ref's going six seven and you're like oh that really hurt and you've got to make that mindset, nothing else, to get back up quickly, you know, mm-hmm. and put your guard up and go again. Now, if they've knocked you down once, there's a high chance you might go down again. So you've really got to be on your game and you've, you've got to be so confident, um, humbly, quite, quietly confident rather than arrogant, but you've got to be able to get up and go. And I guess from the age of 10, I've learned that because I'm not the tallest, I'm certainly not the broadest. I've always had uphill fights. I've always fought people taller and heavier and older than me. So I've always had an uphill fight. So I, I guess I learned from the age of 10, 11 upwards that it's always going to be about battle. But I guess that's taught me the resilience to, to say, okay, cool. Whatever you're going to throw at me, I will take. And I'll throw it back at you twice as hard. And I, I suppose that's where my business brain has come in. Mm. My, I, I don't see it as entrepreneurial, but I guess it is entrepreneurial in the respects to the way the growth of the business has become. And it isn't just a kickboxing gym, you know. Mm. There's been so much growth over the last few years. And it's just applying that that same mindset to different different circumstances. Yeah, when someone tells me I can't do it, I'm like, well, I can and I will. So, for uh, you know, like this jacket potato oven idea, (laughs) you know, a few people have said to me that I'm mental. Um, But I, I, I honestly feel in my heart it will work. I believe it will work. And don't get me wrong, there's always that, what if and I'm not sure there's always that level of doubt which kind of keeps me grounded but I'm you know 80-85% confident it will work and it will work because we are you know for example at Castleham there's 150 businesses that have got all staff and they all need to eat so rather than going to you know no offence the burger van which I went to this morning because I hadn't eaten since the <laughs> club but you know they can have a healthy jacket potato and they can have more option because yep. at the moment, all there is is one burger van on the whole site. Yeah, a bit of choice. Yeah. And, you know, who doesn't want choice? Going back to your growth and, and your learning, I mean, a couple of years ago, you, you decided that you hadn't graded or been competitive for a while, so yeah. it was time to do that again. 
I mean, that must have been a big step. I think I remember seeing a photograph that came out of that, and I think a message you to say, "Look, oh, this is the first time I've ever seen you looking knackered." <laughs> but you know, you're you're coming up to forty at that point. Yeah. You know, people respected you, respected what you were able to do, what you were able to teach. So you didn't need to take that step to do that extra grading. So, what was the motivation? What what drove you to do that? I always like to improve myself, whether it be physically, mentally, um, even academically now, you know, that's something I've learned certainly over the last three or four years with business is, you know, I need to be a bit stronger with my English and my maths and even with the business side, you know, I've needed to up my game as it's grown. So I've, I've been away on a few years of um, courses and development training and stuff to, to try to make myself better. And part of that was I hadn't graded for, uh, as you said, quite a few years. And I, I kind of felt like, Everyone that trains underneath me has graded and gone gone away on a few courses, and I thought, well, I've not practiced what you preach, and I, you know, I haven't done it for a while, and maybe I should take myself out of my comfort zone again. Mm-hmm. And I actually had to put it back uh, a year, so I started training in January for the great. So the the grading's only once a year for the blacks, and I was going for my third dan. So I started training in January for the grading in July. And I got to June and I realised I wasn't fit enough. Or in my head, I wasn't happy with my mm. development over the six months. So I actually delayed it for a year. So I actually said to Lot, I'm not going to grade in July. I need another year to make myself fitter and stronger and more flexible. And, you know, because I'm not 19 anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it took a little yeah. bit longer. Um, so yeah, I delayed it for a year. So I actually ended up training for a year and a half. And I'm glad I did because it was hard. It was a five-hour yeah. physical grading and it was hell. Absolute hell. But... I done it and I passed it, and I remember doing it. Uh, the two other guys, they were nineteen and twenty-one. They were going for their first dan and their second dan. Um, you know, they were both like six foot, six foot one, and all they do is fight train. I mean, they were machines. Yep. But I remember then I couldn't kick as sharp as them because I'm not nineteen anymore. But there was no way they were going to outwork me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually lost four and a half kilos in the grading because I weighed myself before I started. I actually changed clothes five times. It was that bad. I mean, it was one of the hottest days of the year. It was like 34 degrees. It was insane. Um, But yeah, there was no way that was outworking me. Towards the end, I um, strained slash partly tore my hip flexor. Um, When we were sparring, again, one of the guys was like a European champion and he put me on my knees twice, which is hard for me to take. And um, even the instructor was like, Carl, you can take a minute. I was like, no, it's fine. (laughs) I'll breathe tomorrow. <laughs> uh, got up and carried on. So technically, I, in my head, they were better than me, but there's no way they outworked me at all. And it's you know, that issue, dealing with that issue of your hip, it's having the knowledge and the experience and the age to, mm. to adapt and to, to, to work around an issue. But, I mean, you, you must have felt a huge sense of achievement at the end of that day to, to, yeah. to have passed. I had a little cry. Yep. Um yeah, it was up in Birmingham, so it was a long drive home as well. And Charlotte sat and watched the whole thing, and she's like, how have you, like... Because she's never watched that kind of level. And even she was like, I'm just like, I can't believe what you've just had to go through. And I was like, well, you know, to be at this level, it's what you've got to do. It's, you know, so it is. I don't agree with people that can grade for two years and get their black belts, and, you know, they do a two-hour grading and do, like, one round of sparring, and, you know, they're a black belt. Yeah. For me, personally, that's not what being a black belt is about. Um, and that's not how we grade our people. And also, it's it's that other 
you know, sort of notch on the, the door, if you like. It's it's you lead by example, you know, so you, you don't get people to do things that you haven't done yourself and mm. putting yourself through that Pine. training process <laughs> to, to get to that grading yeah. you know, is, is, is letting people see that you're still ready, willing and able to, to do what needs to be done to do what you want to achieve, to get what you want to achieve. Yeah, I mean, I, I love being in the trenches, as I say. So when my when the elites are in, the fight team are in, I like training with them. You know, I'll take my instructor jacket off, put my sweatsuit on, put my hand wraps on, and I'll train with them. And I, you know, I love I love getting involved. I don't like standing on the side and shouting and you know, running drills and sets that in my head that I can't do. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm 40 now, so the injuries take a little bit longer mm-hmm. to, to to heal, and I do have to be slightly careful. But that doesn't stop me. I still like buying down on my gumshield, jumping in the ring and having a tear up with them. How long that's going to last for? Who it knows? It never I mean, goes away. No. I was going to say, I know that you still have a good old tear up, <laughs> even the other weekend that you were coming out of the gym covered in blood. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I don't think it will ever go away. I'm just, I'm aware that it's not going to get easier. Mm. But all the time I've got two arms and two legs and my heart's beating, I think I'll be on the mats. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to sit you know, at the back of the class shouting and making everyone do stuff that I can't do myself. So as as, as long as I'm abled and physically strong enough, then I'll, I'll be on the mats with them. I mean, I noted down in my sort of list of, of questions or subjects to cover, you know, recipe for success. But really, in, in what we've chatted about, that is the recipe for success. Hard work. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Hard work. And now, don't get me wrong, there are... I mean, whatever you do, I guess... You've just got to be prepared to grind, whether it be an accountant, a solicitor, a gardener, working at McDonald's, you know, whatever, wherever you are being a parent, it's hard work. And if you have that lazy mindset or can't be bothered mindset, then things won't happen. Mm. Um, whereas if you're prepared to work at whatever level, then you'll slowly go up the ladder, I guess. And again, I, I don't want to, you know, I'm quite heavily dyslexic and I do struggle and we done a presentation the other day with uh, with our cadets, which are aged seven to eleven, and we were talking about bullying and you know what you need as a as a human to kind of help back, tackle bullying, and we was like you know resilience, strength, confidence, and all this kind of stuff, uh, and then we was like right when you're at school, how do you deal with it? So one of them was like you know ignore the bully, so one of the the children aged nine said uh, what does that sound like ignore? And they're like no it doesn't. I'm like yes it does ignore. And they're like no it's not. And I'm like, yes, egg, no. So I spelt it E-G-G, no. <laughs> um, so, you know, when, I'm, when I was at school, and my, but, you know, we didn't have Google and, you know, Alexa and yep. all that kind of stuff. It was like, look in the diary. So when, um, when they would say, well, if you get the first three letters, you'll find it in the, uh, in the dictionary. And that quite clearly shows <laughs> when you spell ignore, E-G-G, you can't find it in the bloody dictionary. It's having arguments at school, but equally, you know, the, the you say you're, you're heavily dyslexic. You know, many people use that as an excuse for not doing things. But my view of you is that you've never let that stand in your way. Um, it's probably my driving force mm. to 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 prove to my old teachers and you know the people that told me that I would never amount to anything yeah. or get to you know to get to where we are today. I, that was probably the rocket. That I needed when I was twelve, thirteen. Um, there are many entrepreneurs and very successful people that are really heavily dyslexic. Um, you know, Mr. Virgin, 
Mm. Can't even remember his bloody name. Richard Branson. Hang on, Richard Branson. Can't make him look stupid. No. Uh, yeah, so like people like Richard Branson, you know, many other people like, you know, multi, I'm nowhere near that kind of level. But when he was at school, he was really dyslexic. Mm. Uh, obviously still is now. But just because you've got that, you shouldn't let that stop you from achieving what you can achieve. You just need to believe in yourself, have confidence and be prepared to work hard. I mean, you you touched on it when you were talking about the, about the, the 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 class the other night, and we've done a whole separate podcast on the issue of bullying, but I don't think we can sort of leave without touching on the issue because it is again it's one that's fundamental to the ethos of of HKA. It's kind of written in your DNA. Yeah, um, we deal with it every day, literally every day. As the years go by, it gets worse with Snapchat, Instagram, social media. It's very easy for someone to, you know, have a pop at someone, be a keyboard warrior, and then it spreads quite virally very quickly. So whereas before, you know, back in the day, if me and you had an argument, we'd just sort it out beyond a bar and checked mm. and you were done. Now it's, have you seen what he said and she said? And then their 10 friends getting involved and then someone's filming it. And it can last for weeks. And then people get isolated because they're sticking at home and then they won't go out. And we found that the biggest... Um, armament for bullying is self-confidence and believing in yourself mm. I, I know that it's not easy to do but it is that simple mm. is is allowing them to believe in themselves to be confident enough to tackle whatever comes at you and then again there's a girl that I'm teaching at the moment um, I was actually her mum come up to help at the gym today because she she said she felt so in debt she's had five one-to-ones with me and she's a completely different girl because mm. she feels so much more confident. She's bullied, bullied at school, hated herself and, you know, she's she's just, she's 12 years old, you know, completely normal child but she's got some freckles, she's got curly hair and they're yeah. like, you're freckling. So she hates herself. So, you know, her mum was saying, like, you've completely transformed her in like five lessons and I'm indebted to you so if I've got a day off and can come and help you for the morning then I'll come up. And... All we've done really is built her confidence, allowed her to believe in herself. But the, the way we've done that is, I know this might sound bad to some people that are listening, but if you can come to a gym or a dojo or a martial arts centre, and once you've built your confidence to learn how to stand and get hit, you know, if someone calls you a curly head freak or a, you know, a gap to tooth or whatever they're going to call you, it's just words and names. If you can have someone punch you square in the face at the gym... And you go, is that all you've got? Give me another one, please. You know, that bully's going to go, well, words don't hurt them. Punching them doesn't hurt them. Yep. What have I got? You know, I remember being punched square in the face, hard at, at Parker. And because obviously my resilience was quite strong to being hit because I'd had it every day of my life. Um, I just got hit and just turned around and looked at him and went, is that what you got? And he looked at me and he was like, I've just hit him with my best right hand. And it didn't work. And it hasn't even phased him. And now he's asked me if that was right. Uh, and then everyone else was then taking the mick out of him because yep. they thought he was a pussy because he couldn't hurt me. Yep. And obviously everyone was saying to me, hit him back. And I'm like, what's the point? He's hit me as hard as he can. He didn't hurt. Mm-hmm. So why do I need him back? I've proved everything because I don't even need to touch him because he can't hurt me. Yep. And that was enough then um, to, to stop him ever bullying me again. And I didn't even actually touch him. I actually think he broke his finger when he'd done it. Though, <laughs> which is quite ironic. Um, but my point is this, this young girl's come to us because she doesn't believe in herself. We've built up her confidence within herself. But with the bullying at school, if she can put up with me pushing her about and knocking her around the head and she can start taking, again, if you know martial arts, front kick, jab cross. If you don't, you're basically getting punched in the face. 
you know, someone at school pushing you, poking you, is it nice? No. Should they do it? No. But if, rather than it affecting you and going home and, you know, being in a really bad place, if they push you and you go, that's all right, doesn't hurt, do it again if you like, that mindset changes mm. and then therefore nothing can hurt you and you've almost got this bulletproof armour. And while people say bullying is not acceptable in any situation, the sad reality of life is you can say that, but it still happens. Mm. More so now. Yeah. I mean, I still get bullied from time to time. Um, obviously not by children, <laughs> sometimes not from children. Uh, you know, but in the workplace, uh, yep. you know, from landlords or, you know, people in the car park mm-hmm. or business owners that think that they own the car park, that you know, all that yep. kind of stuff, you know, it still goes on. Mm-hmm. You can get it while you're walking around Tesco's and someone thinks they own the aisle. Like, yep. It happens all the time just on very small levels, but it's just other people thinking they're better than you and yep. then trying to pull you down and surround yourself by people that will pull you up mm. and then you surround yourself with a better circle and in theory it slowly gets less so yeah more opportunity and chance to deal with that in the bigger place as well yeah spread that message too that's the plan i mean this given that you've you've just sort of kind of doubled your four space and, what? <laughs> and, and, you're, and you're just about to move up to this it, it seems a bit daft to ask you what's next and it's kind of suppose that cliched old interview question you Carl where do you see yourself in five years but realistically I mean what what ambitions do you have what you what what do you want to achieve well I pinch myself every day and I would I didn't see myself being where I am today even six months ago and then previous to that you know, five years ago and so on. Every year, seem, I keeps honestly. I've said myself, I've said to myself every single year, right? This year, I'm just going to settle. I'm just going to be normal. I'm not going to. I'm not going to try and move or expand or. You know, I'm just. I just want to sit comfortable. And every single year, I end up <laughs> doing something and, you know, kind of expanding or getting a new member of the team and building the timetable even further, taking on another school. Um, but I just love the challenge. Where do I see myself? At the moment, as of today, I just want the new place to open, to run smoothly as possible. We want to get the community hub up and running, which is going to be next door, like within the building, but next door to us. And I guess 2021, hopefully COVID will calm down a bit. We can open up the new facility. We can start hitting each other we again. We can start hitting each other again. Yeah, miss that. I've missed punching, my friends. Um, and and kind of just help the community more than we are already, if that's possible. Uh, the community hub will help more. Hopefully get charity status next year as well. Um, and just kind of let the place open and settle. But I know in a month's time there'll be something else on the planet or horizon or on my plate. And also, you know, you, you allow yourself to be open to ideas. So... It's, you know, where you have in five years, you've probably not even thought of yet, no. but something will come along along the way. No, I mean, I guess as the school grows, we work with a lot of schools as it mm. is, but I I can feel something in my veins with the schools. Mm. I, I've already been approached this week from one already, but the, the location of the new academy, the set out and the layout and the size, I honestly feel that we can go to schools, academies, colleges, um, or maybe even further universities, mm. and offer um, seminars, conferences, workshops, because mm. it's it's that kind of size. 
Um, and You're perfect for that. Yeah, may, maybe go to the next level. I don't know what the next level is, but yeah. that's kind of what I can... There's something ticking away somewhere. I'm not sure what it is yet. But. The next level is probably the ground floor when it becomes available. <laughs> well, I think they're turning into storage, but you know, you never know. You never know. Who knows? It's exciting times. Though. I'm, yeah. I'm very excited. Obviously, I'm nervous as well. And then I try and turn that nerves back into kind of a bit more confidence and just allow that to force me forwards. And again, coming from the fighting background, that using your nerves. Yeah, I, I, I've watched interestingly the training sessions. And you see people who physically should be capable once they get in the ring of doing something, but their nerves yeah. are what defeat them. And they crush them there, hundred percent. And it's that it's that thing about using using nerves to give you energy, to give you drive, to give you whatever it is you need to move yourself forward. I honestly think that's when we're strongest. Mm. Is you know when you're when your back's against the ropes and you're taking a beating, that's it's do or die. Mm. And for me, that's when I'm strongest. 